Last year, I met a man named Ted Lasso. <laughs> I mean, I watched a show with Ted Lasso in it, but for me, that's like meeting a person. And to be 100% upfront about it, I went in with the goal of watching a silly show about a silly man. Jason Sudeikis had created the character a few years ago as a silly sketch for NBC Sports segments. I remember seeing one segment and then loading up YouTube to try to find more. The character and the idea is hilarious. A college football coach being accidentally hired as a Premier League soccer coach allows for no end of hilarity, especially if you're into goofy, fish-out-of-water stuff, which I am. The trailers for the series showed exactly that, a silly, fish-out-of-water sports farce. This is one of Ted Lasso's strengths, and also, for me, its initial weakness. It's a strength because it's going to pull people in because people want a silly sports comedy. It's reminiscent of Golden Age Will Ferrell, Adam McKay stuff. It's going to pull in the kind of viewer that is into dumb, funny comedy. It's going to pull in me. And that, of course, is its weakness. Because Ted Lasso isn't a dumb sports farce. Ted Lasso is the epitome of what I've been looking for in a television show. In its writing, in its characters, in the stories it chooses to tell in the way it portrays male characters and in how it actively chooses to frame kindness and thoughtfulness and empathy as a strength and as a defining factor in what it means to be a man. If you've seen only the Ted Lasso NBC Sports segments or the Ted Lasso trailer, you'll know that this show is going to be hilarious. But what you won't know is that it's the latest show taking part in a very small trend of television that focuses on men. It's a trend that doesn't focus on men's heroic feats or their unearned confidence or their misguided masculinity, their overbearing drive or any other faults that make men in entertainment off-putting. It focuses on introspectiveness, understanding your emotions, actively trying to be kind, and accepting failure as a step towards success in life, relationships, and self-fulfillment. More importantly, it focuses on men helping men. Men with real human issues speaking to the men in their lives and finding friendship, understanding, and family within a male relationship. This small trend is taking hold step by tiny step, one show at a time. And for me personally, it's the greatest thing that's happened in television for a long time. So let's talk about that. But first, disclaimer time! This is not a review show! I am nerd incorrect. I'm passionate, opinionated, highly subjective, and so many, 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 many times incorrect. I have to repeat, this is not a review show. I'm not going to objectively weigh any piece of art on any merits. What I will do is explore the things that make entertainment beautiful and explore the art created for us to consume while we live our lives. Thank you for joining me while I explore the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the Urkel to everyone's Bill Murray. I've been broke in every sense of the word. And I, I keep chasing my next high score Issues galore, I'm a walking, talking magazine We all know that nobody reads What's the use in words when they don't even understand me? Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. 
Welcome to The Adventures We Have From Inside the House, a podcast about entertainment, how and why we consume it, and how it shapes our lives. And more importantly, a podcast that celebrates the things you like, even if nobody else does. My name is Tim Riel, and I am Nerd Incorrect, the boy who loves entertainment of every kind and always seems to fall in love with the properties and art that don't always follow the crowd. Television has an extraordinary ability to hold a mirror up to society and share the beautiful and the ugliness, the hope and the despair of the human experience. It shows me people that are relatable and interesting, who are representative of people I would both likely never encounter, and those that I am already acquainted with. It puts those people in situations that can sometimes be outlandish, but other times into circumstances that are eerily similar to my own. It can show me obvious solutions to life struggles, while also showing me the nuance and intricacies of human relationships. I have been very fortunate. I am who I am, and I was born where I was born. And so much of television has been written by and for people like me. I've seen that there are some people represented on TV that have been written with much less deafness and with a heavier hand, with the lack of knowledge and experience needed for the creators to write a believable character of that background or stature. So much of the entertainment I seek out now comes from voices I haven't heard from, with experiences I haven't had. It's a trend that I hope continues because the TV landscape right now is exciting and interesting, and I hope it continues to get more so. Seeing all these new voices and seeing all these new points of view eventually shined a huge spotlight on an issue I hadn't even been aware existed. An issue in the shows that were supposed to be by me and for me. Looking at all the shows I loved growing up, all the characters I looked up to, the characters I wanted to be like, I found that they didn't actually hold true. These people written for me, by me, who were supposed to represent me, they didn't. Not really. The men were heroic, the men were strong, the men were leaders. And if they weren't, they were the villain, or they were the joke. The main characters were designed in a way that, if they had flaws... It was one of coldness or distance or excessive stoicness. If they lashed out, it was in anger, in violence. I was watching these men, these paragons of character, these role models, and I couldn't understand why I wasn't like that. None of these things were in me. Nobody on the screen was like me. If they had the problems and issues and anxieties I had, then the character was unlikable or they needed to be fixed both outcomes of which were directly related to what the women in their life could do for or to them. The men with similar traits as me were unhappy. They were outcasts. They were friendless. But I'm not unhappy. I have amazing friends. If I feel these things and I have these issues, does that mean I'm lesser then? Why are those characters like that? Why do those issues make them lesser then? These are questions I didn't know to ask. I didn't even know it was an issue until I saw a show that started to show men differently. And then I saw another show that did the same. And another show. And another show. I've been seeing male characters who express the same thoughts as me, who have the same hopes, the same fears, and they're surrounded by other men who are supportive, and more importantly, also have these same attributes. I'm seeing men that are strong, that are leaders, who are sometimes sad, sometimes putting up a facade. 
These TV shows elevate men who are caring. Men who push aside their bravado to connect with people. Men who care. This is something that hit home for me in a very real and very emotional way. Because television has always been my window into what society wants from me. And for me. And up until this point, I was having a lot of trouble being what I saw the world telling me to be. I moved around a lot as a kid. It was an incredible experience, and I was fortunate to have lived it. I have incredible friends spread across the globe, and I've lived life in very different communities. The best part of that is I've experienced a wide variety of friendships, experiences, and cultures, which has instilled in me a deep empathy for people. I think this is a common trait for the young who've led a more nomadic existence. You meet so many different people and see so many different cultures, which in turn allows you to see how we are different and also how incredibly the same we all are. The majority of people that moved around a lot as a kid, me included, also have a knack for making friends quickly. We are, on the whole, easygoing, pleasant, and fun. This is out of necessity, of course, because the new kid mystique needs to be capitalized upon quickly, because first impressions are forever. The deep, dark secret we traveling kids share, however, is that those other kids in those other communities all knew a different me. Because every time I moved, I got to be someone new. It's the special gift I was given through my childhood experience. I got to reinvent what it meant to be Tim. Obviously, who I am as a person isn't going to change much, but maybe this time I'm the person who's more outgoing and brash. Maybe I'm more stoic next time. Maybe I'm the party organizer. Maybe I'm the disruptor. Maybe I'm the guy with the pink hair. And that's where TV comes in. As a young person, I'd look at the characters on TV, see which ones were well-liked and which of them were barely tolerated. Then I'd try to add those traits to my own personality. I would take the best parts of Zack and Slater and try to remove the annoying parts of Screech. TV was very helpful in telling me who people wanted to have around. It told me who everyone wanted me to be, and who I should be if I wanted to be accepted. The other side of moving around a lot is that I didn't have permanent friends. No one in my life that knew me from before. Nobody that shared memories with me from youth. And TV helped there too, because the characters on TV were there no matter where I lived. I never got that feeling of having a lifelong friend in real life, but I do have that connection with characters on TV. And as I continued to get older, the shows I watched began to be more complex and well-written, which in turn meant that I could start to see characteristics, emotions, struggles, and personalities of the characters on the screen within the people I knew in real life. The people on TV were as interesting as real people and helped me better understand some of the people in my real life. The problems and the issues and the relationships I was having and was witnessing were very much like the issues and relationships on TV. The characters on TV were a lot like the people I knew because the characters on TV were basically me. But something was always a bit wrong. Something didn't really translate to me. I'd be watching men and they'd have the same issue as me. And they'd have the same kinds of friends as me. And they were in the same situations as me. So they'd be dealing with it the same as me, right? Except they weren't. Not really. Because the things that I thought, the things that I felt, the things I wanted to express, weren't okay for the respected men on these shows. 
Even if they had expressed any of these thoughts or emotions, it was only used to show that they were not only a strong person, but they also had flaws and weaknesses. But I couldn't figure out how having feelings was a weakness. If the story was more of a hero's journey or a story of growth, the hero was a broken man with these broken emotions and feelings, and then a woman would fix him. A woman was the answer. That was always one of the three options. A broken man either fixed himself, got fixed by a woman, or died alone. I grew up with sitcoms like Home Improvement and Family Matters, and those showed me that dads and husbands were lazy buffoons who were merely tolerated, and the sons were dumb and rude and most of the time mean. Boyfriends were losers, and any male character that had any empathy at all was a nerd or, God forbid, gay. And if any of these characters were going to be redeemed, it could only come from the hands of the girls and women in their lives. I grew up with ensemble teen shows like Saved by the Bell and 90210, and those taught me that popular guys were dismissive and aloof, self-assured enough to ignore criticism, and always had the attention of the girls. They also taught me that you could have a real issue, you could confide in your friends about it, and they would laugh at you. But a girl would help you through it instead, and it didn't matter what the issue was, it had better be fixed and gone by the next episode, because vulnerability is lame. The films I watched that were made for me by me were about tough stoic men who didn't take shit from anyone and who could bury their problems deep inside in order to save the world. I watched Bruce Willis in Die Hard solve his marital problems by punching people and walking through glass. He doesn't have to deal with his own issues and insecurities in the relationship because they don't matter. It's apparently inconceivable that McLean might even have some doubts about being with a woman who left him and is only back with him now because he threw a guy off a building. You know, because he was definitely the problem, and his anger and violence were the solution. Every male character was something I was supposed to aspire to become. But to do so would mean I would have to hide parts of myself and bury the emotions and doubts and fears that I had. I could become a leader, a strong person, a great man, so long as I didn't communicate the stress and anxiety that came with that. There were characters who I did relate to more, but it was always couched in a growth story. Self-doubt, anxiety, depression. These character traits were used solely to show the growth of a male character by his conquering of them. Overcoming these issues was the story. Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Party of Five, all featured great male characters, but they all overcame their flaws, which is weird because one, they're not flaws, and two, they aren't things you can overcome. Even in these shows that relied on empathy and emotion to fuel their stories, they always did so in a way that would show that emotional men were weak and that the women in their life could fix them. And if the women in their life couldn't fix them, then they were too broken and ended up alone. Never in any of the shows was the main support system another man. Every show I watched treated male relationships as either stupid, toxic or both the guys would get together and get drunk and get arrested or they'd punch each other while they watched football if a male character had something happened that he needed emotional help for it was the female character that would listen because the guys just wouldn't understand i spent a lot of my life with this as my template i spent a lot of time believing that my guy friends would believe i was weak if they knew what i felt 
This, of course, is ridiculous. And more importantly, it's dangerously wrong. Women are incredible. They are smart and empathetic and can be an important part of a man's growth and security. But there's so many things that don't translate. So many things that a man can't share because it won't make any sense. The fears and doubts and insecurities that really only someone with the same experiences can relate to. That fact is a human one. We need to have someone in our lives that knows what we're talking about. But I wasn't seeing this on TV. Obviously, there will be shows that absolutely did do this, and I just didn't see them, maybe. But I watched a lot of TV, and if there was a show like this, it wasn't a popular one. The first time I saw a relationship between men on TV that was about support and friendship and vulnerability was in 2006. My favorite writer who created my, at the time, favorite show was Aaron Sorkin and West Wing. To follow up his behind-the-scenes drama about the White House, he wrote a behind-the-scenes drama about a late-night sketch show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It starred Bradley Whitford and Matthew Perry, who played a writer and a director who were asked to run the late-night sketch show. It's my favorite TV show now, and I don't want to spoil it because you most likely haven't seen it, and I think you should hunt it down and watch it. It's easily the best work Matthew Perry has ever done. My point is the relationship between Whitford's character and Perry's character is a beautiful one. They are each other's confidants, each other's shoulder to cry on, their supporters and their biggest cheerleaders. With each other, they are real and they feel things, they say things, they truly love each other. Of course, TV being what it is, there are plenty of storylines that feature each of these characters being fixed by a woman in their life, but from time to time, this is a show about two friends who have each other's back and care for each other. The show lasted one season, which I mention only because this is going to be a trend as I keep moving forward. The next time I saw a show that featured vulnerable men being vulnerable with other men was a show called Men of a Certain Age, which starred Ray Romano, Scott Bakula, and Andre Brower. You haven't heard of this either, but it was good. These were three men who were dealing with life and they had each other to confide in. It was beautiful and made me feel like maybe I wasn't alone feeling the insecure feelings I had. It dealt with depression and imposter syndrome and the realization that you weren't always going to be special. Besides the fact that the marketing was mostly about watch these pathetic men be sad, the show itself was well written and explored some things about being a man that I hadn't encountered on TV before. There are 24 episodes if you want to see it. It'll be tough to find, though. The two seasons aren't available on any streaming platform. Neither is Studio 60. Terriers, which came out in 2010, tried to bridge the gap by being a grittier buddy cop thing, but mostly featured the leads in a friendship of support and compassion. Both Donald Logue and Michael Raymond James characters have been through a lot, and they find solace in their friendship and comfort in expressing their fears and doubts with each other. This idea was so foreign to viewers that one of the main criticisms of the show was that it defies explanation. Which is odd because it's just a crime-solving show about two guys trying to rebuild their lives. But I guess they talk about their feelings with each other, which, at the time, was a genre that didn't have a name. Anyway, it lasted one season. It's also not streaming. Dramatic television shows where the leads are vulnerable men who lean on each other doesn't make for popular television. That's the trend. If you really want to know why men on TV are toxic assholes or needy codependent hangers-on, this is why. 
Those are the only kinds of men that make money for networks. A hit dramatic show with men as lead characters have to be about the men being tough, strong, powerful, or violent. See Breaking Bad, a TV show where all male emotion and relationships are handled in the most unhealthy and violent ways. Or The Sopranos, where none of the men talk to each other about their issues without fighting or questioning their sexuality. Or House, where an angry, sad man is angry and sad and lashes out at everyone and never admits he needs help. Although this example is unfair, because House does have an amazing male friend who does understand his pain and issues, but of course that friend is ridiculed and is quickly removed from most of the plot lines. The only other way to have a successful drama featuring men with issues and fears and insecurities is to have them enhance a female character's plotline. They are only there to be fixed by the woman or they are there to be overcome by the woman to show emotional growth by dropping that loser. See This Is Us, a show where the three men in the show deal with issues that are only solved by the women in their lives and who serve only as obstacles to those women on their path to growth. These are the men that people want to see, according to the choices viewers make when watching television. My first glimmer of hope that male characters on TV will start to shift towards the more empathetic end of the spectrum is a show called A Million Little Things. If you haven't seen it, it's likely because it has been criticized as being a This Is Us ripoff, but I implore you to ignore that criticism. A Million Little Things is a show about five men who are complicated, struggling, worried, anxious, and every other thing that every real person is in their daily life. And they talk to each other. They help each other. When there's a problem that can be talked through, a solution to help stem the tide of self-doubt for even a little bit, it's the men that come together to deal with it. It's real, it's honest, it's vulnerable. And it never says that this vulnerability is a weakness because they all deal with their own vulnerabilities. Watching the first season of this show changed me in a very real way. It was the first time a show was unapologetically about men who were strong, successful, and good. And they were also scared and depressed and struggling. And it was okay to turn to the men in their life because men can and will support you. And they will understand what you're going through. These, finally, were men who care. As a man, watching these friends go through the same struggles I'm going through, dealing with the same pain I'm going through, seeing men who truly represent who I am as a man, all of me, the strength, the bravado, the fear, the doubt, as a man who doesn't get to see a lot of that on TV, it was indescribable. Midway through season two, there were rumors that the network was going to cancel the show because people weren't watching. People didn't enjoy the stories that were being told. It wasn't like This Is Us, and that's what they wanted. So there's a noticeable shift near the end of season two. The stories started to be less about the men and started to be about the women in their lives. And the men were no longer helping each other. The women in their life were now the catalyst to their growth. They stopped having as many struggles and their plot lines revolved more around helping their female counterparts or becoming their obstacles. It just wrapped season three and is confirmed for season four. Men who care about other men aren't the men we as an audience want to see. At least, that's what the numbers say. But I'm holding out hope that there will be men who care, men to look up to, men to aspire to, 
on many TV shows to come. I think the fully featured man with fully featured male friends will start to sneak into the television landscape. I think this because I believe it's already happening. I met Ted Lasso last year. He was a character I already enjoyed as a farcical sports character from a short-form comedy sketch. When I saw that a show was being made of this character, I was excited because I've been looking for a mindlessly fun show to watch while I folded laundry and cleaned the kitchen. The show is hilarious. The comedy is incredible. The casting is spectacular. And Jason Sudeikis has never been funnier. But Jason Sudeikis and team have done something impressive. They made a show with the depth of character and relationships usually reserved for the aforementioned dramas like This Is Us. The subject matter deals impressively with the depths and complexities of interpersonal relationships, and more importantly, bases everyone's personality and motivations on very real human motivations. Nothing is forced, and people act and react as expected based on who they are and what they want. The male characters all have incredible depth and have real issues of insecurity and self-doubt, and they can turn to each other to deal with them. The male relationships in this show are so varied and beautiful, and each one is about men dealing with real men things. Am I still enough? Will anyone love me? Do I deserve to be here? How will I make it through today? Why isn't what I do ever enough? These men deal with this with each other, and they find solace in that. For me, the most wonderful gift I got from this show is the character of Ted Lasso, who I believe is someone we, as men, should aspire to. If you read the reviews of Ted Lasso, you'll find a few things come up a lot. The first is that it's almost universally loved. The show's a success, and everyone who has seen it seems to be singing its praises. The second is that people are describing Ted Lasso as unrelentingly optimistic which I personally believe is incorrect and missing the point entirely. Ted Lasso, as a character, is a man who makes an effort to be kind. He makes an effort to see the opportunities in a situation. Ted Lasso, as a character, isn't unrelentingly optimistic. He's actively trying to be optimistic. Ted Lasso is a smart guy. He's a successful guy. He's a man who's doing his best to be a good person. He's not diving headlong into things believing that everything's going to be amazing because Ted Lasso is dealing with a lot and he's pretty sure everything is not going to be okay. It's a mistake to label Ted Lasso as an unrelenting optimist. It's more accurate to label him as a man with a positive attitude because Ted Lasso is a man who's losing at life more than he's winning and he knows it. And let me tell you right now, that's something I can relate to. Ted Lasso is visibly making an effort to not take things personally, to act with kindness, to be a solution instead of a problem, and to support the people in his life that need support. You can see early on that he knows that everyone is making fun of him. When people belittle him to his face, it's not so clever that he doesn't get it, because he does get it. He actively chooses to be kind and ignore the slight. In the arc of the show, all of these interactions are between Ted and a character who is dealing with something negative and lashing out. And Ted can see that and knows that this person is hurting. It's an empathy he has because he himself is hurting 
and he knows that one of his choices could be to lash out. But he doesn't. He pushes through with kindness, which also serves to disarm the person he's speaking to. It's brilliantly played and written. The people around him all start off assuming he's an idiot, and that the positive attitude is a symptom of his down-home bumpkinness. But the more they get to know him, the more they start to respect him. They start to see that he's not dumb. He's just doing his best to be kind. As the viewer, we get to see the other side of Ted, with scenes of him alone, clearly depressed. Moments where the facade cracks a bit and he struggles to quickly pick the happiness back up. Even a scene where his feelings and struggles are too much in the moment that he starts to lash out in anger before being interrupted. Ted Lasso isn't blindly optimistic. He's hurt. He's scared. He's anxious. And the only thing in his life he can control fully is how he treats people and how he makes decisions. And Ted has decided to be kind. I have been very fortunate to be born who I am and to be born where I was. Most of TV was written by men like me for men like me. I think the best trend in TV right now is the shift away from that. To hear more voices, to get different stories from different perspectives. And while we usher in these fresher voices, I think we need to take a good hard look at the things we've been writing that were supposed to be by us and for us. Because I don't think we've done a very good job. I think we need to focus on writing more men who feel things, deal with things. We need to write men who have male friends who also feel things. We need to write men with insecurities and fear, and those things need to not be flaws. Right now, I want to be Ted Lasso, and I want to see more men like him. So, television, if I can ask for just one thing, please give me more of Ted Lasso and the men who care. Our theme music is provided by Double Experience. You can find the track Bill Murray everywhere you get music. And my ability to take time out of my week to make this podcast is supplied by my supporters at patreon.com slash nerdingcorrect. If you support us on Patreon, thank you. And because you do, you're listening to this episode a week before anybody else. And if you want to be part of that club, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdingcorrect where you get early access to all our podcasts, an exclusive podcast, and so much more. You can also join our Nerd Incorrect Discord server, The Incorrection, where we can discuss in more depth everything I talked about today. If you want your question and or comment about today's podcast featured in next week's episode of discussing the adventures we have from inside the house, you can drop it into our podcast-specific Discord channel or comment on the Patreon post of this episode. All of the comments on the Patreon will be featured, and if possible, as many of the Discord comments as well. I'm Tim Riel. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week as we discuss more of the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the uncool that everyone's built. And that's alright with me. Cause I'm a walking talking magazine. We all know that nobody reads. But what's the use of words when nobody understands me? What's the point of trying to be someone that I can't be?